Hey everyone, it's your girl Natalie Lee Martin, and welcome to another episode of Kingdom Guardians. Y'all, we are well into season two, and today my special guest is going to be talking about overcoming childhood trauma. Let's welcome Melissa Hawkins. Hey, Melissa. Hey, girl. (laughs) That's right. You get excited, girl, because I am excited to have you. You I am excited to be here. Yes. Now, let me tell y'all a little bit about Melissa. Melissa served in the same ministry that I served at, and it's Christian Joy Center, and correct me if I don't get it right, in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And she serves as a leader on the prayer team. Is that correct? I just, I just serve wherever I'm needed. So, Amen. <laughs> wherever That's I'm needed, right. yes, That's yes, right. You know what? You're so right because I've seen you serve in different capacities, and so that means you have to be someone that they can rely on to be there and to be um, available for God to use you. So, you are a phenomenal woman. And when I heard Melissa's story, you guys, I wanted to um, have her share it with the world because I feel like. You have a unique story, but in its uniqueness, you can captivate a lot of people that are also going through um, different seasons in their lives and overcoming that childhood trauma. So I want to welcome you to this um, platform so that you can share, you know, your experiences with us and give us some wisdom on how we can navigate through all of that stuff and to become the the men and women and the guardians that God has desired for us. So just start with telling us a little bit about yourself, Melissa. Okay. Well, I am a wife. I'm a mother of three. I'm a business owner, um, you know, and, but most importantly, I am a daughter of God. I'm, I'm a woman of God. I love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. And um, I understand that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And so um, I have just dedicated my life to God and to living for him and um, advancing his kingdom. So I feel like that's the most important thing about me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you said you were a business owner. What business do you um, have? Um, MLH Tax Services, which is okay. a business that I have built, you know, from the ground up. And God has just been really blessing me in that area um, because my heart and my passion really is to help people. And so, um, you know, I don't just do taxes and, you know, bookkeeping just to do that. But I do it with um, the thought process of how can I help somebody? How can I educate them? How can I, you know, help them to be better prepared as they're going along in their own journey um, of life. And so that's, you know, really my heart in doing that is to just be a blessing. So. Awesome. That is awesome. I love that. And you're using what God has given you doing taxes, like you said, and bringing God glory in that. So that's absolutely wonderful. All right. So let's get to the meat and the heart of the matter, because we are here to allow you to use your experiences to help us and to help people that are out there navigate through their own childhood trauma. So the next question I have for you is what was your childhood like? What challenges did you face growing up? My God, um, my childhood was very colorful. We'll say it like that. (laughs) I love that word. (laughs) um, it. It was very colorful because it was filled 
filled with a lot of things. And, you know, honestly, we don't have enough time in this segment yes. to talk about my childhood. Yes, but I yes. will tell you that, you know, um, like you said, the, the title of this is Overcoming Childhood Trauma. And I mm-hmm. experienced that at a very young age. And, you know, my very first point of trauma is, you know, was being taken away from my mom when I was little, um, not even three years old yet. And so, um, and up until that point, you know, um, my biological father, he was incarcerated right after I was born. And so, you know, that left my family to kind of struggle a little bit. Um, my mom, you know, she would leave us home for days at a time while she would be out with her various, you know, male friends. And so, you know, there was plenty of times where we didn't have electricity or water or food and we'd go out and steal, you know, just to have food. And so um, that was, you know, my very first point of childhood trauma and it, it impacted me. Um, And, but then it just like, I was totally devastated, you know, when we were taken away from my mom, you know, because of course that was my mom and she was all that I knew, you know? And um, so we were taken away all of her children Mm -hmm. um, split up, put into the foster care system And that in itself, you know, you have to completely learn a new family and, you know, new people. And not everybody is good or genuine in those situations. And you have people that prey on um, because you're not, you know, biologically related to them. Then they feel it's okay to violate you and to touch you and to, you know, do all types of things that, you know, really aren't are just as you think about it, it's just heartbreaking to know like, okay, this is the type of things that goes on within our system. And it really does. And, you know, kids fall through the cracks on a daily basis. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was myself and another one of my sisters who were put into this home and right away she was, you know, seven, but she began being molested at seven at the age of seven years old. Wow. In home. And so, and that went on until, you know, she was 16 years old and she tried to commit suicide. And so, um, you know, that really left a mark in my mind also. So there's so many things, like I said, that have happened in my childhood Mm -hmm. that really shaped who I was as a person. Because I I thought like, oh, man, okay, nobody's going to look out for me. Nobody's going to protect me. So I have that responsibility to do it for myself. And I went through, you know, these emotions of, well, if my own mom, you know, didn't love me enough to stick around and be there, then who in the world could, you know, possibly love me? And, um, you know, so just so many emotions, so many things and it was that era and that time, unfortunately, and we're still in it today where what happens in this house stays in this house. You don't go out telling people our business. Um, mm-hmm. you know, okay, this happened to you. Well, you just have to deal with it. Um, we need this person as the provider, you know, for this home. Yeah. It was, you know, and then that, you know, added to the okay, nobody, really nobody loves me because if they did, they would protect me. They would keep me safe. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have to have this fear that when I go to bed at night, like I'm going to wake up to somebody in my room touching me, violating Mm. me. Like I 
have to have those, you know, concerns, you know, as a child. And um, my foster mom, I absolutely. And then she really just embraced me early on from the beginning. And um, I watched her, you know, go through sickness in her body and diabetes and kidney failure and all these things. And so, you know, I became a caretaker at a young age. I remember just having to give her like her insulin shots and her daily medications and, you know, just whatever needed to be done. If there was nobody else to do it, then I would have to. I was cooking meals at five. I started at five years old. Yeah. So, you know, I tell my kids today, I laugh and I say, you know, you guys really just don't understand how good you actually have it, you know. Um, And I'm grateful that they do have it as good as they have it because I never want my children to experience the things that I had to experience. It was like, I really didn't get to enjoy my childhood because I had to grow up fast, you know. So Mm -hmm. I, I, they would send me in this grocery store three, four hundred dollars to buy groceries because I knew how to read at an early age. I knew how to write at an early age. I could count money. So I knew like what the change, you know, was supposed to be. Yeah. And, all that. Yeah. and so I was they would send me to pay bills. I would buy groceries. Um, and one of my uncles who lived with us, he smoked and they would send me in the store to get his cigarettes like at, at like seven. I'm going in the store. Um, can I get a carton of Newport 100s? You know, that. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. And they would let me because, you know, they knew my family and stuff. But it was I'm, I'm thinking like, God, like and all of that. And I was just so angry. I was mm-hmm. so, 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 so angry. Um, and I carried that anger throughout my life um, until I got to a place where God really just began to reveal himself to me. Wow. So what was that moment like, that moment when God revealed himself to you? Did it change or alter the trajectory of your life? Like, did the path change or did you continue to feel angry and to feel those those, um, thoughts and to feel like you were unprotected? Um, Well, my path did change initially, Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't even 12 years old. So, you know, the family that I was, you know, adopted into, they went to church sometimes, but it was kind of just left up to me. Like if I wanted to go, I went, if I didn't want to go, I didn't have to go. And okay. so I knew about God, you know, you hear about him and you see people singing about him and shouting and rolling on the floor. And, yeah. you know, you see that, but, you know, when I was, um, it was the summer right before my 12th birthday. And, you know, after my sister was taken out of the home when, you know, of course, when she tried to commit suicide, um, that's when, you know, the, the sexual abuse and the molestation was turned towards me. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, at that point I was a fighter. <laughs> I was already <laughs> a fighter. And so, because yeah. I wouldn't just allow, you know, this person to do what it was that they wanted to do to me. I mean, it was like we were fighting like and so, yeah, so I was definitely already in that, you know, fight mind frame. But Mm -hmm. I had gotten to a point where I was just tired, like, okay, how long? this gonna go on like and I so once I saw you know what happened with my sister because I'm the one who came in you know from outside I had been with my cousins I come in and I find her unresponsive you know and um, she left a note 
saying that, you know, she just couldn't deal with it anymore. There was the empty pill bottle. And so I'm trying to like revive her. I called 911. And at that moment, there was like this seed planted in me and I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize that there was a seed planted in me until I got to a place of hopelessness where I felt like I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the seed came up. It was like, oh, well, your sister tried, you know, to commit suicide. Well, maybe if you try, you'll be successful and all of this will be over with and you won't have to deal with this anymore. Wow. And so I was just having these thoughts and I mean, they were just coming so strongly. I'm 11 years old, mm-hmm. 11 years old at this point. And, you know, I was getting ready to turn 12, but not quite 12. And they were coming so strongly. And I just was like, you know what? Like, I feel like right at the moment where I was like, I'm going to try it. There was a lady who would come around and take, you know, the neighborhood kids to church. She had ministry and, you know, in that time, it wasn't popular for women to be <laughs> pastors, preachers, yeah, yeah. really, you know, in within the church. And so, um, when she let it be known that she believed God had called her to minister, they essentially kicked her out of the church. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she really didn't have a choice but to start her own ministry. And mm-hmm. um, and she did. And she would come and get us. She would teach us the the Bible and. Um, take us around to, you know, different churches that would allow her to come in. And um, I honestly believe like a seed was really planted in my heart when she was doing that. And so, cause sometimes I would duck her. I'm not even going to lie. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be like, Oh, what time is it? It's oh, no. Thursday. She coming today. So let me just not even be home when she comes, yeah. you know? Um, but this particular day, like I was right there on the verge and she came and I believe with all my heart that God sent her there, you know, to intervene in what I was about to do. And so she came and she said, and she called me Liz. She said, Liz, she said, um, we have vacation Bible school and I want to bring you. Do you want to come? And I was like, yes, I'll go. And I went. And so then at the end, you know, everybody comes together and there was this guest um, speaker and he was talking about Jesus and how he loves us, how he died for us. And so as he's talking, like I'm sitting there just like boohoo crying, something I did not do in front of people because I felt like it made me look weak Mm -hmm. if I cried in front of people. And so, but here I am, these tears that I cannot control because all I could think was, man, I need him. Yeah, (laughs) Like I need him. And so He gives the altar call and he says, if anybody wants to accept Jesus, so I like jump up, go up there. Um, You know, I give my heart to Christ. And, you know, so it changed in the sense of like, I didn't want to kill myself anymore. Mm -hmm. From not wanting to live to wanting to live, feeling like everything was hopeless to having hope. But then I was still, I still had like the anger and the, you know, resentment. I had yeah. bitterness and I had, you know, all these things. And um, God is so good because he has a way of getting us exactly to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. I go into the military because I think, oh, I just want to get away from here. I want to get away from home. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And I, just, I wanted to go as fast as I could, as far as I could. Yeah. I go into the the Air Force and um, 
I get to Albuquerque. So of course there were, you know, stops along the way, but I get to Albuquerque and, you know, I had, cause I told God, I was like, God, you know what? I'm going to just have my fun and, but I'll be back. <laughs> That's yeah. what I said. Yeah. Like, and so I'm there partying, clubbing, you know, at that point I had met my husband. We weren't married, but we weren't doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. And, um, I ended up pregnant and I knew, <laughs> I knew I was, wow. and I tried to reason with God, like, Lord, <laughs> if you don't let me not be pregnant, I promise you, I'm going to do things the yeah. right way. <laughs> oh, I and that. God, it, listen, and he, I, I feel like, you know, God does have a great sense of humor. He does. <laughs> and uh, because I believe he knew what it would take. to get me to return to him he knew exactly what it would take and it took that because once I got that positive result like I I didn't even take the home I took the home one I took like 12 of them but I went to the doctor and I said no draw my blood like yeah (laughs) I was in denial I was like draw my blood if I see it through that then I'll believe it and so they come back she's like oh congratulations and I just immediately started crying because I was like, Oh my, like I'm about to be responsible for another life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I need some help. Like that's all I I was like, I need some help. And I was like, God, I need your help. Do this. If you don't help me to be a mom, there's two things I I used to say, like, I didn't want to be once I got to probably like middle school, I would say, didn't want to have kids and I didn't want to get married. And it was just because I didn't have the proper view of either. Wow. You know, I didn't have any good examples in front of me. And so, but when I discovered that I was pregnant, I said, oh my God, I said, God, I need your help. I need your help. And so at that point, you know, I talked to my now husband, we weren't married at the time. And I said, you know, what are, what are we going to do? Like, what's our plan here? Because I've got to get serious with God yeah. and I can't. And so he, he just kind of looked at me because of course, like I told you, he had already asked me to marry him. And I was like, no, we're not ready for that. <laughs> we're not ready for that. But, and so we, we get married. We, I move from Albuquerque to Alamogordo in New Mexico. For those of you who don't know where that is, I know. <laughs> you're far probably away. like, Alam- <laughs> what? It is, it is far away, but it's home for me. Yes, yes. And um, so we come here and I, well, I come here because he was already here. We, I come here and I was like, what in the world is this? Like, where in the world am I? Like, I didn't have any, you know, family or friends here. And I had, before I came here, like I had been asking God, like, okay, Lord, I need to find a place to go to church. Like, show me, you know, a place to go. So we got here and there was this, uh, one of the ministers, he was inviting my husband to come um, to the church, the Joy Center. It was called something else at the time, but he kept inviting him and my husband was like, no. And then one day he accepted his invitation because that was another thing. Like we both came out of um, you know, he was Baptist his whole entire, you know, childhood into adulthood. And then I was Baptist part of the way. And then um, we ended up going into the church of God in Christ. So it was two totally different 
thought processes yeah. and mindset yeah. and we couldn't even decide like okay well what kind of church are we gonna go to and God he was like oh it's okay I'll take care of that too and so when I asked him I said well what kind of church is that what kind of church is it and he said oh he said it's non-denominational and I was like okay I never heard of it mm. but I'm willing to give it a chance yeah. you know because I, I never heard of anything like that yeah. and so we went and the first day I was like, okay, this is, you know, it's okay. We'll, we'll come back and try it again. And, um, so we leave, I have my daughter, we come back. So it's probably about the next month when we came back uh-huh. and Bishop was there, Bishop uh, Brown was there. And in the very first meeting with him, I knew God was putting me there because yeah. I got this sense of like, I could trust him. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was huge yeah. because I didn't trust him any man period and so but God was telling me like you can trust him and I'm like trust him like God I don't even know him like that's what I'm thinking in my head literally as I'm standing there talking to him and God is like you can trust him and um you know and it took a while for me to really even open up being there Mm -hmm. but just that me getting pregnant was the pivotal point of coming to myself and like, okay, Lord, I need your help. Because again, you know, I didn't want my children to experience what I had experienced growing up. I didn't want them to have those same fears and hurts and pains and, you know, things that I had endured. I didn't want that. And I also didn't want them to be, because I was so mistrusting and I didn't want them to be like that. Mm. I wanted them to be free. Wow. Wow. You know, and you got to have God and able to be in, in order to be balanced enough to be free, because if not, and that's how I was like, I wasn't free. Like I was like, OK, all right. Yep. Jesus is Lord. But I'm still I'm watching you. Like what you what do you really want? What's your real motive? You know what I mean? And I, so I just didn't trust a lot and um, very few I honestly, I don't think there was a person that I could say, oh, yeah, I trust this person wow. there. It just wasn't because my experience had taught me that when you put your trust in people, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. You're going to be hurt. And I was at a place where I felt like, OK, I can't take any more hurt. I just can't. So let me just reserve myself. Let me just I'll let you in this far, but you can't go past that. Man, Melissa, you've said so many things. I mean, there's so many nuggets and so many things that I want to pull out. Let me just do these two. The first thing you talked about is the is the woman who came in your neighborhood. And you were telling me, you said to us that she, because she was a woman and there weren't a lot of women that were um, allowed to minister, she was forced to do it on her own. Mm-hmm. And it, it just showed me, it's just showing me how intricate God is. Like we would think that that is a bad thing for her not to um, be allowed in the church. But if she was allowed in the church, she couldn't come get you. And I, I'm just looking at your story and looking at how God allows things to just line up because he just wants, there's one person that he's, he's after, even though he's after all of us, when yeah. you make it personal, he's like, he's after me. 
Yes. He wants me. And because he wanted you to know him, he allowed this situation to happen to this young woman where she had to walk the streets asking for children to come to the Lord. Ugh, that's just beautiful in, its, in itself. It's like all of the hurt and the, 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 the pain that you're going through is not necessarily for you. Right, right. Yeah, and it's not just... Draw... Go ahead. You got it's it. not just for me. I, I've learned that over the years. And, you know, when you're in a situation, you feel like this is the end of the world. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it's really not. It's really not. But we have to learn to press through because when we press through and we come out on the other side, that's where the promised land is. That's the place of victory. And you can't get to that place unless you're willing to press through whatever that situation, whatever the opposition is. You got to be willing to press through it. Yeah. Wow. And another thing you said was the trusting part, even though you were saved, even though you accepted God as your Lord and Savior and, um, you know, he took away the hopelessness. Now you still have an issue of trust. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of us think that when we, we get saved, and I know I was one of those people, I thought that everything was just beautiful in the beginning. And you feel like everything is beautiful, but you don't realize there's things in you that God still has to work out through you. And the scripture says work, each one works out their own soul salvation. And you're still working out these things that, um, like you said earlier, seeds were planted in you and you know in the in the initial salvation all of those seeds are not uprooted but as we continue to draw closer to christ he he continues to just pull things out of us and continues to renew us and renew our mind and you know like the scripture says going from glory to glory and just yes. becoming becoming more like him each and every day man yes and you know it's so funny um, that God knows us. <laughs> I think yes. we forget that sometimes, that he knows yes. us. He's the one who created us. He knows our, why he's to this earth. He knows our purpose. Um, and so while we're just focused on the immediate, he's, he's looking at the whole, and, you know, whereas I'm thinking, can't deal with this you know he knows what I can what weight I can bear under he knows wow. and whatever at the moment he knows what it's going to pull up pull out of me his purpose but also it's going to pull out of me what's there that shouldn't be um he does this amazing thing where he cleanses our consciousness from dead and I love that about God because it's like things and those. And I remember a time like where I couldn't even tell these stories without crying. And now mm -hmm. I tell them and sometimes I, you know, get emotional, but it's not because the sting of it is there. It's because I just so amazing. He is. He knows everything and he knows me better, better of us than we could know ourselves and um i'm telling you we can't even find out who we really are apart experiment 
we come to know him, that's the start of us finding out who we really are. Wow. To know yourself, you must know God. Have to. You have to. Absolutely beautiful. Because how can you know yourself without knowing the one who created you? Because the one who creates you is the one who gives you your purpose. Man, that's what Kingdom Gardens is all about. You know, yes. <laughs> these children are not our own. We They are on loan to us by God. And he has the manual. He knows what their purpose is. And so we just get the privilege of storing these beautiful gifts that God has given us, but we need to go back to him for the manual. Absolutely beautiful. 100%. Yeah. And even when it comes to our children, you know, we have to seek God because as parents, sometimes we can just have something set in our minds on what we want our children to do. But if that's not what God is calling them to and assigning them to, we're in the way. We're interfering. So we have to seek God to say, Lord, okay, what areas should I be pushing them them in, directing them in so that they're going in your ways? I don't want them to go in my ways. I want them to go in his ways. Wow. Absolutely wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful. I do not want to let you go, ma'am. But uh, unfortunately... (laughs) Man, this is, I mean, just impactful, your story. And it's like, it's crazy, but then it's just beautiful parts in there that you see God has his hand. Even when things are crazy, God says, you know what? And you talk about the enemy planting a seed, but then you talk about God planting a seed. And God is not, he He sees all of it. Yes. And he's still yes. there in the midst of it saying, you know what? Yeah, the enemy is going to try because um, this world is sinful and people are filled with sin, but I'm going to make sure that I interject myself in your story to, so you have a, a way out. I'm here in yes. the midst of it all. I'm here. Yes. I'm here. And the Bible says that the Bible says that, that when temptation is great, he always provides a way of escape for us always. And so, and no seed of the enemy can be uprooted except by God, except yes. by God. And yes. when that's, uprooted we have to replace it with god we can't just say oh i'm gonna get this out and then because if not we'll return to the same things and the same mindset the same way of doing things so man you that's the key right there that is the key right there you gotta and you know i'm even thinking about when people um try to quit smoking and they tell them, you know, do other things like chew gum or they, you know, replace that smoking habit with something else. You can't mm-hmm. just say, I'm not going to, you know, stop smoking and then have nothing to replace it with because there, there's a time that you had allotted to smoke. And now that time is always going to be there. Your body and everything is already um, trained habitually for that time to smoke. So now you replace that with something else. And we got to do the same thing as Christians. You can't just say, you know, we're going to uproot a thing and then not replace it with God. Right. You have to replace mm-hmm. it with him. Yes. That's the only way that's honestly. And truly that is the only way that we can be successful in 
walking this life as believers and being upright before him because the temptation is going to come. We think mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm born again, ain't going to be no temptations. No, that's false. There will be temptations. However, he's there to help us overcome them all. When Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, the first thing he did, he said, it is written. And then he started giving the word, you know, and so we have to do the same thing. We have to do the exact same thing. Absolutely wonderful. All right, Melissa, before I let you go, I want you to leave our audience with any words of encouragement, especially for children who might be listening, who are currently in this situation right now. They're dealing with traumatic issues and, you know, not all of the kids are dealing with, um, you know, molestation or Mm -hmm. physical touch, but some of them are dealing with a lot of emotional things. Because I know even for myself, as a teenager and not having somebody to help me navigate through my emotions, mm-hmm. I too wanted to to take my own life. And so I would, you know, take pills or drink or try to cut myself. I mean, I never went through with it to the point where I had to be hospitalized. But like you said earlier, the thoughts are so strong. Like mm-hmm. you feel like the only way to alleviate the thoughts is to actually go through with the act. So what could you, um, what words of encouragement do you have for children who are in the midst of this right now? Um, the greatest thing I believe I can leave with you is Jesus Christ, um, because he truly is the door to life. He's the only door to life. And in him, I have found hope. I found strength. I found courage that I really didn't think I had. I found life and um Whatever situation you're currently in and facing, it may seem hopeless. You may feel like, hey, you know, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. You know, if I just, you know, give up, it'll all be over. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, you can make it through this. You can make it through this. And there is someone who's willing to fight for you because God has put people around you that are on assignment. So there is someone willing to fight for you, even when you don't know how to fight for yourself. So I am praying for you. I'm believing God with you, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, there's nothing impossible with God. And so that's just it. Um, Jesus is the greatest gift I can leave with anyone. He's the greatest word. He is the word. And um I'm telling you, he has changed my entire life and he will change yours as well. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. And I second that. (laughs) Without a shadow (laughs) of a doubt, I second that. You said with God, nothing will be impossible. Yes. Nothing. Man, that is the truth. If I've ever heard it before in my life. And we want to thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing your story, for being transparent for just giving us hope again. I felt like um, in this episode, it was just a common experience. And you bring that wherever you go. For some reason, it's just when you speak, there's a peace that comes over, you know, the atmosphere. And I just thank you for allowing God to use you in this moment because I know people are going to be blessed by that. 13-year-old me was blessed by that. Because I never heard anybody say, there's somebody that's fighting for you. Even if you don't know it or see it or feel it, somebody's out there fighting for you. So thank you. 
Praise God. Yes. um, Thank you for having me. And, um, you know, anything that I do or say, you know, it's only by the grace of God. It's because he's graced me to be here. And, you know, however I can be a blessing is because he gave it to me to to give and to pour out. And so, you know, I just have to say that, like, um, as you were saying, like, I have that ability to, you know, just bring peace. And mm-hmm. that is directly from God. It's, it's from him. And so I know, you know, I have an assignment and a responsibility. So and I, but I can't do it apart from him. I know that. So but thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you um, for coming. Like I said, it's helping me as well. So (laughs) thank you you very very much. All right. Until next time, Kindergartians, have a wonderful day. Bye.